Dana Michelle is a dancer, choreographer, and live artist. She lives in Montreal. Her recent works include Yellow Towel, Mercurial George, and most recently Cutlass Spring. She is the winner of the newly created Impulse Dance Award in Vienna. She was awarded the Silver Lion for Innovation in Dance at the Vienna, uh, Vienna Biennale. In 2018, she became the first ever dance artist in residence in her hometown of Ottawa, Ontario, the National Arts Centre. She has also won the Anti-Festival Prize for Live Art in 2019. Welcome to CKUT 90.3 FM, Dana Michelle. Hello. <laughs> so the first question I always ask people is just maybe tell us a bit about your journey to this point, how you came to where you are now as an artist, the Dana Michelle origin story. <laughs> okay. Well, then it's, of course funny to be doing the origin story sitting across someone who's part of the origin story by some kind of yeah. weird warping loop. Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure, Dana and I knew each other in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. uh, very briefly, when I was still a business person, uh, after I, I, so I studied business at Ottawa U, and uh, I worked in advertising for a couple of years after graduating. And uh, in that time, was introduced to uh, uh, raving techno, uh, yes, mm -hmm. this stuff. This stuff. Which uh, kind of like uh, kicked me out of whatever uh, life form, <laughs> life shape that I thought I was headed towards or that I wanted to head towards. And it like really promptly just kind of shoved me to the side and forced me to find another route. Well, it didn't force me. I tripped on it. Mm -hmm. So I tripped on the Concordia Dance Department uh, in an ad uh, and called, and they said yes, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and found myself, yeah, at Concordia studying contemporary dance, which I um, was like, a, it was an alien. So I was holding an alien in my arms. <laughs> but then the alien quickly turned into not so alien and turned into something that I needed to continue to hold. Um, and meanwhile, I was working at the Royal Victoria Hospital, which is also a funny thing because I haven't been down here in a long time. CKUT is oh, right, right there, right there, right next to the Royal Vic. Uh, so I worked there for 10 years as I was, yeah, like doing school and then I graduated from school and I thought I would just stay at the hospital because it paid well and it was just really convenient. But at a certain moment, I think basically I was like 35. I'm like, well, <laughs> am I just, just going to like continue doing this uh, part time? And then it just it started to get too, um, too impossible. I kept having to say no to things in art stuff to keep my job. Mm. And so I took a leave of absence for a year just to see how that could possibly, well, first, uh, first I had a nervous breakdown, <laughs> which was great because <laughs> I had time to think. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I took a year off to just uh, try and see how I could just like uh, live inside of just art thought. And uh, yeah, and then I just didn't go back. So that in, in that moment was... Um, yeah, I would say that that was like another kind of big shift because I went to, I, I got accepted to this scholarship program in Vienna at Impulse Dance. So I was there for five weeks. And yeah, that was a kind of like a big, um, a big opening moment for me. I was there seeing just a whole ton of 
work and meeting people that I had no clue existed. Um, and and I started working on Yellow Towel. Um, so, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm not at today yet. I'm still in 2011. <laughs> oh, eight, more, eight more years. Oh, okay, oh Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah. So then, so, mm-hmm. so I started working on Yellow Towel. Simultaneously, I had also decided that um, I was not interested in touring, and I was also not interested anymore in kind of really... I don't know, chasing anyone or trying to get my work uh, necessarily produced or what I just, I was like, I need to just make this work and kind of not care about anything but making the work. Um, And I think that I don't believe in touring. (laughs) Um, So I didn't quite know what the shape of things would be, but I just started working on this piece for me. Uh, Got pregnant at the same time, which uh, became very, very interesting. Um, And anyway, Yellow Towel then got created and got invited to the FTA, and that was, uh, yeah, that was another big kind of turning in. 2013, it premiered, and um, yeah, that kind of, it got very windy then. So then, um, yeah, I started to get invited to a lot of places, and, and that brought me to this moment where it's been, yeah, six years of just... Um, uh, um, uh, kicking it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. In your own words, how would you describe Cutlass Spring, the newest work? I saw the show on Tuesday. Um, I was blown away by it. It's so dense and multi-layered, but very hard to describe. If you were forced to describe <laughs> Cutlass Spring to somebody else, maybe not someone that's part of the you know your world or the context that it's how the spring exists and how do you describe it? I mean, so there's the subject, which is one thing, but if I... So, I mean, something that, that came up for me quite... When I started doing the thing is I'm like, oh, look, I made myself a workout routine. Uh, um, <laughs> because, um, uh, like, I was quite sporty well yeah that's the that's something that I skipped I skipped talking about the sport thing so it was quite sporty um, up until my early 20s and then I went to dance school so you know that's pretty active but as soon as I graduated I really kind of just stopped being active and I think it was actually like a pretty like conscious or 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 subconscious rebellion against being um, disciplined or against um, working on my body um, and I think I was running I was running away from uh, dance the term dance or the term choreography I was running away from boxes and so it yeah. seems like somehow my way of doing that was to just like um, yeah was to ignore my body but I was absolutely not ignoring my body but um, so anyway all to say that over the years I realized that this is like not a very good approach for someone who actually does really work with the body and anyway for someone who is a human it's not super. It's not very smart, um, but I couldn't find. It's a really long way of talking about the workout thing, but it's okay. Okay. Uh, I was trying to find a routine, so I'd always talk to people. I'm like, "What do you do? I jog. I go to the gym. I, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm in the gym, I'm yoga. I don't nothing. You know, I can't. I can't find anything. But it's like it's really been like for the past ten years or more. I'm like, oh, I gotta find my thing. What's my thing gonna be? Um, and 
<laughs> Somehow, like when I when I did the premiere, when I started doing like work in progress thingies, I was like, look, I'm whew, I'm sweating, I'm sweating, and I'm like, oh, I'm lifting weights, uh, <laughs> you know, like I feel I feel tonic. So, I mean, and this is often the case with when I'm when I'm making things. I there's obvious there's usually like some something quite practical attached to it. I'm like, I need to think about this thing, or I need to do more of this thing. And even though I don't like go out and like, okay, I'm gonna make myself a workout routine, it just like sneaks, it kind of sneaks in there. So um, I'm like, uh, I'm 40. I'm 40. I need to st- I need to think about sex things because I don't know what the fuck's going on with my sex things. And also, apparently, 40-year-old women are supposed to be quite engaged in sex things and really good at it. And I don't feel like I'm there. So what's going on? A and B. Uh, I need to, I need to start working out. <laughs> I feel like um, Cutlass Spring somehow. Uh, yeah, it it's like addressing this in some kind of way. Um. Um. So it's like it's also it's constantly just like diving into like like personal family archives. Um, So there's like it's kind of like a maybe archival workout. (laughs) Uh, uh, Archival workout meets uh, sex education uh, or sexual like history birth through now. Wow. Um, exploration? Um, oh, yeah, wow. In music, I would always ask someone who, uh, if they consider themselves an improviser, do you consider yourselves a self an improviser? Yeah, well, one to a trillion percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the thing, it's what I, ca- it's what I care about the most. I, yeah. th- that's it. At the beginning, I was, you know, I went to choreography school. So this is, this is the training you receive is how to, um, but that's it. I was always, and this is again, a very common choreographic tool is you like improvise and then you find something that you settle on and then you, you like this is what you show or this is what you share is the thing you settled on. And it was just like becoming, it was just super ridiculous, this like settling on this thing. You have all the fun and all the juiciness and all of the like fucking popcorn happening and then you're like, okay, I'll just like take this kernel and like just fucking keep chewing it for the, it's just ridiculous. So I'm like, I'm just gonna like do the popcorn. That, and without, so much caring about the result. I was just like interested in doing the popcorn. So, you do the show a couple times. Do you do you think about your roots that you're going to follow through on your stage that you set up for yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So that's the thing. What's what I have to do is set up things that are super super specific so that I can be free to just. Uh, unravel as much as I want to because I know that anyway when I hear the you know that fucking crackle over there I gotta bust my ass down there and maybe I've already determined that I have to bust my ass down there while rolling or crawling or I have to hold on to this coat so um, it makes a kind of like super easy like childhood uh, (laughs) task game you know yeah what are your relationships like to the objects on your stage? In, in uh, I mean, that's a big question, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, it's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, and they kind of come out of nowhere. It's like, sometimes it's like a magic show. It's just like, oh my God, now this thing's here. Yeah. It's like you're pulling stuff out of your hat. 
um, I don't know, maybe just talk about the objects that you bring on stage with you. Well, I mean, to to talk about the mat, that that's true. That's actually just true. Is um, I really like magic tricks. Yeah, well, um, clearly. <laughs> well, actually, it's kind of a lie because magicians actually freak me out. Right. They really freak me out, but they're so sexy. Also, yeah. it's just so sexy, and um, I I suppose that I I love it. I love being surprised. I love. I love seeing people or things like acting on their on their feet <laughs> or what does that make any sense? Yeah. Um uh like the magic thing it's like okay it's it's true. I I I do like hiding things. I like keeping things to myself. I'm I I need my privacy. I need to like kind of be in control to a certain extent on but this okay so then this like this touches aesthetics or this touches like just like logistics of space. So um, I want to start, for instance, I'm like, well, I want to start with these chairs, but then I want to end up with nothing on the stage. And then I need to end up with this thing. But I don't want everyone to see everything because it's too much information at the same time for them and for me. So what can I do to have access? I need to have this hat at this moment, but where the fuck am I going to put it? I don't want to just, so I got to just like stick. I'm like, great, I have a zipper in this coat so I can just like stick it in the coat. Then I can pull it out whenever, (laughs) do you know? So there's, it's like all, it's all like quite logical. um, But for, but behind it, there is this kind of like, <laughs> kind of <laughs> like a little like a kind of trickster, jokester that's Absolutely. like motivating all of these these choices. And then in terms of the obje- the objects themselves, um, it's a it's a combination of uh, like co- collecting, touching on this archive thing again. It's like a collection. It's like a collection of of relics. Like. Yeah. Um, my mom is a person who gets rid of everything. Uh, so uh, in a way, there's just like no trace of the past. Wow. And this has always been a bit upsetting. Um, so I've always kind of just like, you know, I'm like, why oh, she getting rid of that? And I just like sneak it into my closet or something. But, um, but I'm also just like my mom. So I also want to get rid of stuff and not have a lot of stuff around. But I see the importance of keeping like... That like filter queen vacuum is beautiful, and that was a big part of my childhood. And there's the brush that was on the filter queen, so I'm just gonna like keep that to myself. And then eventually, in some moment, I'm working, and I'm like, I need something to hide the like cord um, to the computer so that nobody knows it's a computer. So just like stick the filter queen brush on there. Right. So. At once, I'm like um, maintaining this like family archive. Also, <laughs> a little joke for myself. Also, it's just like practically hiding the right. cord. Right. Um, so I so I find that like most of the time these these the, these three things are in action. Yeah. Um, and then there's um, like color. Color is also like a really huge. Uh, it's a it's the big starting point in work in my life. It's how it's like a a really important organizing principle for me. It um, helps me to uh, stay anchored. So, for instance, like with this big red hat, um, while in the work I was thinking a lot about cowboys. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about black cowboys for quite some time since I walked past uh, some cowboys in Queens like 10 years ago, and I was like, what in the hell? (laughs) What? Okay, this is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so this is like kind of, this is hanging around in my brain, and then it's like sex is hanging around 80s, you know, it's like, like coming, I was a kid in the 80s, so, you know, this is where like you're 
fucking sexual DNA is getting shaped. So it seemed important to like touch on whatever was kind of sexy to me in the 80s. Cowboys, Irish Spring. I'm going far, but I'll just like keep going. Um, And then there's the material, which is the hat is made of uh, like a foam, like a sponge, uh, which is something that keeps coming back, um, which relates to my dad, who um, just like constantly, well, used to collect old couch sponges or he just had this ginormous collection of sponge, which was like chopped up our couch from like the 70s or the 80s (laughs) so it's like a big part of like my like visual memory of my childhood is my dad and these like couch sponges and it just um yeah connects me to him and to my childhood so this material comes back a lot also it's practical because it folds down really easily which touches into my manifesto of being like light on my toes when I move around with the work uh, and red. I had like uh, decided on red for this show. So I'm in Reykjavik and I walk into like a shop that has a lot of kind of gag jokes and there's a ginormous red foam cowboy hat. So then I'm like, well, pff, obviously I'm going to need this. But then I do that with like, you know, I'll collect like hundreds of objects and pieces of clothing and shards of whatever. Um, and as I'm developing the work, it decide, I'll like touch all of them, and then eventually, like it gets distilled to like the amount that's left over in the the piece. You're a serious artist, but you're clearly a comedian. You're clearly a trickster. Um, like I said earlier, the show has like a magic show vibe. Um, but your audience remains so serious. <laughs> and uh, it's been a while since I've been to a dance show. Uh-huh. In fact, this kind of modern dance is possibly the first time for me. But I kind of felt uncomfortable because I really wanted to laugh, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And That's too bad you weren't there yesterday. People were uh, not holding back. Well, okay, so there it is. Like, um, it, I guess it depends then on, yeah. on the audience. Yeah, it really Some does. Some nights people are just like... Containing it, and the other nights people are just letting loose. Totally, it really it 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 absolutely depends. It, right. it can be exactly as you said, like cold, cold silence because yeah. it's like this is very serious. Like no matter and but the you know um, what's <laughs> people have all kinds of there's all kinds of things that I've heard um, from people in terms of when they feel like they can laugh or not. This is always a big question for people in my work. I think first of all. Um, Somehow we don't, number one, we don't expect um, a contemporary, I mean, I'm, I get billed in contemporary dance contexts, right? And yeah. we don't expect a contemporary dance show to be a comedy show. Yeah. Um, so we already have this, like, am I allowed to laugh? There's a lot of questioning already. People are questioning, I think, the way that they're reacting to the thing. Um, also... Uh, I'm not I'm not looking out at the audience for the laugh, you know, in in comedy, uh, there's well, no, it depends. Yeah, it really depends. But, you know, um, I mean, stand up comedy is like a pr- pretty huge influence. All comedy forms are a huge influence. Yeah. But um, I there's like a couple of the codes that I'm not following. So I suppose like these codes that are missing are the things that people are like, I don't have that indication that I'm allowed to laugh so I'm not (laughs) sure and I guess because there's a combination of so many different things happening at the same I mean I'm not trying to I'm not trying to get a laugh Um, I'm I'm motivated by 
uh, comedy a lot. I'm for sure laughing, <laughs> or I'm not laughing while I'm doing it, but what motivates my choices, so many of my choices are like, <laughs> 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 you know? Um, I mean, it's, I, it, it's, it's surreal, but it's, I mean, it's hilarious. I don't know. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it makes me, it, <laughs> I, I, I get, I, it, it makes me feel, well, it doesn't make me feel sad, but I'm like, yeah, it's too bad when people are like, I really wanted to laugh, but like no one was laughing or like somebody will be like, I laughed and then someone gave me the dirtiest look. But there's a lot of that. It's constantly happening. Really, last night was the time to be there because it was like everyone was on fire. They were just like snickering as soon as I walked on the stage. Yeah, that's great. I mean, even, yeah. I have a very twisted sense of humor, or not mm-hmm. twisted, but like I, I really enjoy s- surreal things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's someone I know in boxer shorts, you know, pardon the expression, but like tits to the wind, mm-hmm. uh, smashing ice mm-hmm. on a countertop uh, stove element, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like, that's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's hilarious. You know, <laughs> if I describe it, it's like, this is what I saw, you know, like, <laughs> it's funny. It's at Usain say and it's mm-hmm. like we're arranged in a certain way, mm-hmm. and it's you know the cues are there for it to be serious or. Well, that's it. That you know, and we've got like our description, our text. Our text is quite serious, and you know the context of contemporary art is like you know is quite serious. So it's like, well, this, this cannot possibly be funny. Like no matter what, we need to like. Oh, okay, anyway, I'm making too much of a generalization and maybe be treating too many people. Uh, yeah. But uh, but it, it it's true. It's true that a lot of people are often just like. It, it cannot just rest. Uh, we can't just. We can't allow ourselves to soften into laughing somehow because we're like looking for the for the other stuff. I mean, but I also know that when I'm when I'm watching something that's funny, uh, yeah. When you're at like a, a comedy show and you're like, well, I don't know. I've never been to a comedy show. Mm. <laughs> Whatever. When you're in a comedy context, you're like, I'm here to laugh. Yeah. So it's like the valve, it's open. You're, yeah. you're like, you're ready to do it. If I'm sitting in it like in a contemporary art performance or whatever, um, the valve is, is it's, it's more narrow. So I, I'm laughing on the inside or maybe I'm giggling, but it's like, I kind of like this feeling of just like remaining quite like, um, stone-faced until the thing like really like pokes me <laughs> in a particular place <laughs> and then like <laughs> and then it just like escapes yeah um yeah. i mean it's a it's a it's um the piece is really carefree and uh and kind of joyous uh, and I, I just the 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 for lack of a better word comedic element or aspect or element of it was really uh really appealing I wanted to ask now about the sound of the show. Right from the beginning of the show, your entrance is like your is very sonorous. You know, you you don't see you come onto the stage, but you definitely hear you. Um, you know, you're narrating a bit almost. You're on the mic. You're beatboxing a bit. You're humming a bit. You've got a vocoder and an ice bucket. There's like radio. Is that is that Pepsi can a radio? It's a radio. That's amazing. I know. I was very excited when I found it. <laughs> um, so this the sound element is incredible. Maybe you could just talk a bit about the sound or how you approach that. How you approach I feel like I want to start with that Pepsi can radio because yeah. it's like kind of um, uh, okay. So it, normally it's happened like three times. That's the third time that this has happened where it did that. It actually started looking for a radio station. Uh, normally I flick it on and it's just a psh, 
she just have the static. Um, and, but this is the third time it happens that it starts doing this like radio tuning thing. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go. Um, which was after I, I spoke with, there's, I work with uh, someone uh, named David Drury. He's a sound person. Okay. And so he's officially my sound consultant, but also he's just my like uh, d- dream travel uh, partner. Cool. Uh, in the work. Yep. <clears throat> And yeah, we were, I was like, oh, so what do you think about the like pep, the radio thing? You know, it's like, you know, it's kind of funny. It definitely, um, I, <laughs> I loved when it happened because it just it really threw me onto a different planet unexpectedly. Like, I had no idea where I was, which is always fun. Again, in improvisation, it's yeah. super fun to get extremely lost. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it wasn't intentional. And then of course it, if I mean. Everything is is quite measured, even though there's like it's a giant kind of free for all. There are certain things that are like kind of a little bit tight in effect. So anyway, all to say that I was a bit concerned about what that might have done, and he was like, "Yeah, it was, uh, it was super good, but it was also a bit frustrating because it did a thing where it affected then the last track, um, so the last track, which is like quite stop and." Yeah. go and this like kind of this is like the for me the like hugest slapstick moment is yep. that last track yep. um, and it kind of like took away the punch of that like that last slapstickness yeah but this is also again something that I love is there's like a supposed to but then there's also a never supposed to because what's supposed to happen is what happens actually yep. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing so uh, that's inspiring actually <laughs> Thank you for that. No problem. Um, you start off on the mic. I mean, we're hearing your voice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this, it was a kind of, it, it wasn't, it was not a conscious decision. Like, I'm going to, like, do a, like, a sound bonanza with this piece. I mean, sound, it's always, it's always super, it's all important, and sound is always super important. Um, but I guess I just, um it's probably, um, I was probably affected maybe by like, you know, in the last two pieces, I used uh, a couple of pieces of music of people that I didn't have clearance. <laughs> and I Understood. was, I, I mean, I think I've even talked to you about this at a certain moment. And it, it it's very uneasy, you know, and there are just some tracks that it's like you can't get clearance for, but you've already attached yourself to them. And uh, so I didn't, I wasn't going out of my way to avoid um, music that already existed. But that was probably in the back of my mind as, as things started shaping up. So there's that. And there's, I got a new phone and discovered the like, um, memo recorder thing on it. Absolutely. And then I just like lost my mind basically with yeah. the memo recorder and I just started recording everything. <laughs> it yeah. just like was so fun. I just had started having so much fun over these years. Yeah. Um, so then I just had all of these pieces that I had collected and yeah, it just became another way of, sh- it was like another way of shopping, you know, like mm-hmm. um, I'm shopping, I like find this hat and I found that it's like, oh, I walk by this like ice machine. I'm like, mm, yes, and let me just record this for a while. Mm-hmm. So I just uh, had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and um, for instance, uh, part like part of my uh, mandate for the research process was I'm like I I need to go to I originally wanted to go to at least three different like um, Caraban well not Car it's Caraban in Toronto but right. 
uh, carnivals yeah. in the islands. I wanted to go to at least three of them. I, an- I only ended up going to Carabana. Uh, that's a whole other long story. But basically, it just like, oh, it just brought me, it brought me back to dance hall. And I went to, I spent some time in Jamaica and I just like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it kind of brought me back uh, home a little bit or just reminded me of, of, that music and also it was the first time because it was I did Carabana for the first time in Toronto and it was the first time that I like I made a link between I'm like this is just like being at the rave only like 20,000 times more joyous and louder <laughs> and louder how is that you didn't think it was possible to be louder than the rave but then you go to Carabana yeah and it's like damn yeah <laughs> like so that in whatever many ways that I still don't even know um, definitely affected affected things like my my idea of rhythmicality and I mean certainly that last track <laughs> the last track for me was was Carabana the show is called Cutlass Spring the last two dates are tomorrow Friday November 1st at 7 p.m. and Saturday the 2nd at 3 p.m. that's at Uzinse and the tickets can be purchased at the Uzinse website Thank you so much for coming through, Dana Michelle. It's been a pleasure. Thanks.